Hey, good morning, Church on the Rock. My name is Rashad. I am one of the pastors here at Church on the Rock. Honestly, I'm just a sheep like everybody else in this room. We do the good morning, Church on the Rock, to make sure you're awake. And so I'm going to do it one more time. When I say good morning, Church on the Rock, you say good morning, Rashad. It's not because of me. I just want you fired up for God. I want to know that you're in the room with me. So my name is Rashad with a D, not Rashad, Rashan, Rashid, Radish. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Good morning, Rashad! Oh, man, what a beautiful thing. So today's different, right? Like one service and the toilets work? Like, what? Um, for those of you, and this is your first time here, we honestly, we praise God for you. We praise God that he walks you through our doors, and we may, ne we may never get another chance to speak to you, but just know nothing we do here is a gimmick. Everything has a purpose, and um, any uncomfortable, uncomfortable feelings that you're feeling right now, we'll address that, um, but uh, we're, we're just going to let God flow. So um, we're, we're actually walking through a sermon series called You, Yes, You, if you could put that up real quick. Um, we're going to continue that next week, and we'll probably be done with it in the next two weeks. We'll be done with Romans chapter 2. Give it up, everybody. We're on this, like, we're on this five-year journey. Um, turn the mics off for now. Turn off their, the mics in terms of the, yeah, the receiver there. That way, it's just my mic on. Like, let me be the only mic. Yeah. Um, and so, when we get into the remainder of this, um, just so you know, if you come back, we're, we're walking through Romans 2. It's dealing with uh, this, this, like, fake Christianity of being all these things on the outside and nothing on the inside. So, like, if me wearing a hat bothers you this morning, as, a, as somebody who's um, pouring his soul out for you and, and for the community, as somebody who um, openly tells you that I'm broken, I don't have it all together, if my hat bothers you, that'll be a great sermon for you, right? Because it, it looks at you and says, yeah, maybe you don't wear a hat when you preach. Maybe you don't preach at all. Maybe you've never shared the gospel, and instead you condemn me for wearing a hat when I'm preaching God's word and act as if this hat changes the truth of God. When the hat is simply a tradition you don't want me to wear in the pulpit. That's what next week is about, right? <laughs> I'm not going to wear the hat. It's kind of hot. I just wanted to get that out there. So that's that, all right? No hat. You're good. But um, I also want you to see this. This is the name of the sermon this week. It's called Don't Flush. Don't flush. It, it actually, the title came because a month ago, uh, we had a service where we had to have one service because our toilets weren't working. When it rains real heavy, we're on a septic tank, and it makes the toilets not function. And so we have to go down to one service. And um, there, was a, there, was a church, there was a church planning family up here. I never met them, but they wanted to come see how we do church. And I'm in the hallway, and there's this lady in the hallway, and she's like, I got to use the bathroom. I'm like, that's cool. Is it number one and number two? <laughs> and she's like, Looking at me like, why is it your business? <laughs> She's like, number one? And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. Don't flush, right? And then later at the end of the service, that, that woman was like the church planner who was up here to see us. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what a way to introduce myself. And she said it spoke to her more about this church than anything, that we were not ashamed to still have church when the toilets don't work. And that um, as the pastor, I was sitting there talking to her in the hallway and just telling her, hey, don't flush. But... Let's keep it moving, right? And it just spoke to her heart, and I said, man, that'll preach. So here we are, right? <laughs> now, as you know, I've been in India 
in Seattle in the past month, uh, 17 out of the last 27 days I've been out the state. I, I, one of the reasons I wanted to have one service is because I'm, I'm tired. I'm extremely tired. I'm not saying that from a woe is me. I'm saying that from a, a mental health standpoint, a spiritual health standpoint. I'm tired. Uh, but I still wanted to make sure that we had God's word today. That's one of the reasons we're having an 11 a.m. service. Another reason is that uh, sometimes if you come to first service, it feels like a church plant. It's like 20, maybe 30 people here. And so sometimes for the people that are here and also for those who are serving, it's like we don't need to have two services, Rashad. Maybe this is us being prideful and doing it just to say we have two services. Well, look around. Look how uncomfortable it is. It's, we need two services, and there's a lot of people not here. Amen? So we praise God for what he's doing with that. I wanted you to be able to feel that. Sometimes the first service people only see the same people. They don't see the growth that's happening. So we don't want to flush the opportunity, right? This is all about don't flush an opportunity. Um, all right. I, thank you. You like that? That's, don't flush the opportunity. That's all this is about. Don't flush opportunity. It's not about toilet paper. I promise. I, I, made, I put a sermon together. I, I had a, as Jason said, I had a migraine like my entire time in Seattle. And so... Um, I didn't get to work on it at all, and I get back on Friday. I start pressing into God's Word, start pressing into God's Word yesterday. And I have a sermon actually prepared for you. I don't want you to think I'm some lazy pastor who doesn't exegetically break down the text and give you the grit. I do all of that stuff too. Um, but today, I, don't, I think I might just show you some of the slides so that you can look at it. If you want to stay after church and listen to me preach, I'll, I'm, my wife's not here so I can stay. If you... I can stay and we can walk through a text and we can do all that good stuff. You want to meet later this week. We can have like a makeshift Bible study. We can do all that stuff that you normally come here on Sundays for. I'll just touch on some stuff and give you the scriptures we would have been in, that we would have been in so that you can have that accountability for your pastor to know that I really pressed my heart into this. But God has changed everything that I want to do this morning. So we would have been in Colossians 4 verses 2 through 6. I'll read it real quick. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving praying at the same time for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which, have, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Paul goes on to say, conduct yourselves, yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond. That was going to be what we were preaching on. Here's the points. I, I want you to see some of my points. The first one was going to be uh, don't flush opportunities with your Lord. Speaking about prayer and devoting yourself to prayer for yourself with thanksgiving, with an attitude of thanksgiving and keeping alert, and also praying for others. He says pray for us as well. Um, and in the midst of that, a sub, a sub point, just go to the next slide, would have been do you truly recognize the potential danger of your life? When I was in India, I feared for my life all the time. So I found myself always in prayer, right? Always in prayer because of the persecution that was physical and present there. And for some reason, I got back to my comfortable Brownsburg, Indiana, where everything is kind of nice and pretty and comfortable. And I found myself not in prayer because I, I lost sight of the potential danger I'm in when it comes to my spiritual life, even though my physical life is fine. And so I was going to say, don't don't mess up those opportunities. Don't flush the opportunities to be with the Lord. Our comfort creates complacency, but his comfort creates a conversation with him, right? That was going to be one of the points right there. I was going to go on. I was going to say, do you truly recognize the prevented danger in your life? Like, it says to have an attitude of thanksgiving. Do you realize that everybody deserves hell, right? And so, man, Rashad, I don't have nothing to pray to God about. What? Are you saved? 
right? Like, you deserve hell. And so if you've surrendered your life to Christ, knowing that he died for you on the cross when you didn't deserve it, you have a reason to get up every single morning and pray. If you really believe your alarm clock woke you up, I have news for you. It wasn't the alarm clock. It was God. You still need a reason to pray? And so he's prevented the danger in your life. Your devotion to prayer should not be in response to your situation. Your devotion to prayer should be in response to your salvation. See, we only pray when there's a situation on hand. Oh, I need this, or I need that, or I need something to move in my life, or I need, I need this person to change, or my job situation to change. What happens when it's in response to just the fact that he died for you? Don't flush those opportunities, right? A couple more slides here. Um, is, is it important to you that the mystery of Christ is revealed to others, or are you simply satisfied that you got in? See, some of us are just cool that I'm in. It's like that person when you're looking for a job together, and they get a job, and they're still hiring, but they never tell you they're hiring, right? And you're like, bro, like, how you going to get the job and not help me, Darius? Like, how's that work out, right? Darius like, bro, what you talking about, right? And this is where Paul's like, you know, pray for us as well that the gospel goes out, that there's other opportunities. Don't flush those opportunities with the Lord. And just going, this is all going to tie in. Don't flush the opportunities to partner with the Lord. Keep going. And then I said uh, time in prayer, talent in serving, treasures in giving. Like, this is, these are the things we just don't want you flushing. It would have went on and said, don't flush opportunities with your life, with your lips. And there was this whole put-together sermon that was going to be, like, everything. And I was so excited for it. And then I got here after praying last night and talking to Ty and talking to Clinton and talking to Jason this morning. And I don't want to preach that sermon. God moved me to not preach that sermon. So I showed you that just so that you have an accountability to know I didn't just take a week off. All right, I, didn't just, I wasn't just in Seattle chilling and come home and say, oh, forget it. We'll just wing it. No, this is an audible. It's very uncomfortable right now, especially like with so many people in here. You're like, oh, I was just going to do this off the cuff. Oh, here we go. And so um, I had a plan B, plan B. A couple of scriptures I, I might throw out there in the, wing, in the, in the meantime. But uh, plan B is called don't flush too. You know, it's, it's, called, it's called don't flush. <laughs> I don't want to flush what's going on right now. But um, it's this mindset that I'm ready to start sharing with you about what Sunday is about. Like, you come in here, and some of you are probably upset, like, man, that would have been a good sermon. I need my three points. I need you to break down the Greek. What are you doing, bro? I've been waiting all week for this. But that's the problem. Like, when me and Jason started dreaming about Church on the Rock, we never started dreaming about a 5,000-person church, and that's no knock on big churches at all. That just wasn't what God placed on our hearts. We never meant for you to just gather more into this building, and then we start a building fund, and then we build a big building and go in debt, and we got 5,000 people coming doing this religious thing called American church. It was never that. Instead, we had this idea of, like, free gas. You're like, what? Yes, <laughs> free gas. You see, we want the church to be the gas station that you come and you simply, you fill up so that you can get out of the gas station, right? We don't, you don't fill up the tank to sit at the gas station. But that's what we're doing. We're coming week after week, filling up and not using any of the gas that we got last Sunday. And when we come in, we're already full and we wonder why we're tired and bored and ugh. It's because there's no more room to put. You're puffed up with knowledge and you're not doing nothing. And so our dream was for this to be a gas station where we don't see you every week. 
because you're out doing the work. And when it's time for you to come back with questions or when you're empty or whatever, you, you come home to the gas station just to fill back up, to get back out. That's why if you come to Church on the Rock, you'll see our leaders, they're not here every Sunday. Our deacons, they're not here. Our pastors, our worship team, me, like I'm not here every Sunday. And we get upset. Where's he at? I, I invited somebody. Where's he at? I'm taking a break. <laughs> I'll be back. I'm going to get my fill up, right? But what happens when we really start believing in this idea? And I just wanted to like, like I said, this is freestyle. So here we go. <laughs> I wanted to start thinking about Church on the Rock. Work with me. And if you're not able to stand while we're doing this, don't stand. But please, if you can, stand. Just simply standing when I'm asking you to stand. So we were planted what? 2010? Help me out. 2011? All right. A lot of people think John Lau planted this church. They're like, John Lau's a guy, he's up in Westwood. He's planting another church right now. And he was a part of that. But Jason Servizan and Elizabeth Servizan, could you stand up? Yep, come on, Elizabeth. It's like, I hate you already. Give it up for them, please. You see, here, here's the thing. We call church planners the one who take the title. I'm a church planner, and I'm title. But the person that was here from day one when the work started, these two right here, these, this, say hello to your church planners, the people who planted Church on the Rock. Yeah. They didn't flush the opportunity. Um, just speak out loud. Where, where did you have to drive from to be here when it first started? For a year, right? From Pendleton, Indiana. How far is that drive? Yeah, 50 minutes, bro. Really? Miles? Thank you. My goodness. 54 miles. 50, and he said 54, right? Who said it's 54? Round it, Jason. Anyway, anyway, anyway. 55 miles, one hour for a year because he saw an opportunity. And he didn't flush that opportunity. He didn't let distance become something that stopped him. He felt God on his heart. He saw an opportunity. And just imagine this. And I'm going to get real teary. I'm not trying to move you emotionally. I'm just I'm choking up because this is on the fly. Imagine, imagine the, like you're the opportunities he saw. Like look around what we have this morning. You are the opportunities he saw that made him drive 55 miles in, in one hour, you know, to be here. Who, who else was here before me? Stand up. Look, well, he's playing. Keep playing. <laughs> and this man right here, okay? Now, now, look around and give him a round of applause, please. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, mama, and then um, and I would even say um, who's not here? Lynn was here before me. About fifteen people plus or minus that are still here. Not the majority of our church at all. This is the foundation of our church, and something about them made them make the most of the opportunities that way back when this church was only this big, they didn't flush the opportunity to stay put. The ups, the downs, the changing of a pastor, the disagreements with all kinds of different stuff, and they're still here. They, they were here before me. So I, 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 
I just want to tell some stories this morning because I'm constantly stepping on your toes and maybe you don't see the results of what obedience looks like. Well, here you go. This is the beginning of Church on the Rock. Can you see this? This is the beginning of Church on the Rock. This is where it's at. This is the foundation that maybe you don't know. We got Jason, Elizabeth, we got Papa Bill, Mama Kelly, Mama Lucy, whatever you want to call her. We got Lindsay, Tyler, Adam, we got Bonds, we got, it's Bonnie, sorry, Clinton, I got nicknames for everybody. We got Clinton, we got um, uh, Luke, um, we got Barry, we, oh, uh, mess, see, Jake, Jake Roach, and then we got um, Rita, see, I'm messing up with everybody's name. But that was it. That was the foundation of Church on the Rock, and we were, where, where'd you start off at? Where, where was the church at at first? Eaton Hall, which is a little building over here in the middle. Then where'd you go? Middle, no. Church in Maine's old location, which is a building on 136, and then we were in the middle school. And you know what? A lot of people in those moments wouldn't invite nobody to church because we don't have a building. You know, we, we're just a little small church. We're still setting up chairs, and we don't have the best this or the best that. We can't match up. And people flush those opportunities and won't invite people because of all the stuff that's not there. And, and these, these people never stop, right? And so you guys can sit down. Give it up for them again. I just want you... All right, I'm winging it. I'll throw some scripture in there to make the people who are real conservative really happy, okay? I promise I will. This man right here, and he's going to hate this because he hates attention. Clinton, can you play while you're standing up? No, okay, just sit down. <laughs> so, so, me, so Clinton comes to my church, all right? Um, I'm in New Living Bible Church. Not sure what to do with myself as a Christian. I'm, I'm a new Christian. I, I was saved in 2011, which is when this church was planted. Look how God was working. Clinton comes to the church to try out uh, for the worship team. And I thought he did phenomenal. You're going to stop playing right there? Like, was that a bad memory? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it didn't work out. However, he ended up, like, taking the opportunity to come to what we call life groups, which is like our five non-families. And he showed up, and we just talked. We didn't talk about Jesus. We talked about Basketball, because y'all know that's all Clinton do. We talked about shoes, because that's, that's the only other thing he does, right? Um, we talked about Nas, which is a rapper. We talked about Wu-Tang, which is a rap group. We talked about movies. And we were being really loud in this neighborhood, like 9 o'clock at night, outside by the car. Can you confirm this, Clinton? Yeah. And that just led to a relationship, y'all. It wasn't like, oh, Jesus, 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 right? It was just, man, we got these things in common. Let's just spend some time together. And that turned into a G-chat uh, back when Gmail had the little G-chat thing. And we're at work, and we're not doing what we're supposed to do at work because we're, so, we're just enjoying each other. And that turned into Scripture. And then that turned into him inviting me to Jason and Elizabeth's Thrive group, which is a small group, his, his small group. So I show up at their small group with my wave cap on, my hood up, and some sweats, and I walk up today, this is when they lived in, uh, what's that place? Um, yeah, Creek, Creekside or whatever. And I go, they probably even had more of a beat, like, right? <laughs> Elizabeth opens the door because Jason's a great husband, right? Like, <laughs> like you get it. <laughs> and I got my hood on. I'm looking like any stereotype that she might want to throw that way. That moment, she has an opportunity. Do you invite me in and act like I'm just a regular human being here for your thrive? 
even though I don't go to your church, even though I'm not a part of your church family, and even though I look however I look compared, you know, by society standards? Or do you say, let me go get my husband, right, who probably wouldn't have came anyway. <laughs> she invites me in, and I, and I come in, and I'll, I'll never forget the first person I saw was Bill. Because <laughs> I, I, I kind of know Bill because I know, I know Lindsay from high school, right? And I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> because you see, I'm from Brownsburg. I got, I got a past. I got a big past, and, and a lot of people didn't know about my salvation story yet, you know? And so I'm like, oh, how's this going to work out? And I'm just waiting on them to judge me and to just look me up and down and to just make me feel unwanted so I can walk out and say, that's why I don't do those all-white churches. I'm just waiting on it. I'm like, come on, just give me the excuse to not be in this. I'm, I'm really just here for him, and he ain't even there. Like, I'm literally like, where's Clinton? Why am I the only one? I thought he was going to be here with me. All right, never mind. But they loved me. Offered me some food. You know that worked. And they invited me into the conversation. And it wasn't just a whole bunch of, let's see how much you know about Jesus. It was just a conversation about life. And we just spent time together. That's all we did. And they just made the most of that. They didn't flush the opportunity. They didn't know I was, I was an aspiring pastor. They didn't know I could preach. They didn't know. There was no agenda. There was no attachment to results. They just saw a human being that God led to their doorstep, led to their Thrive group, and they welcomed me in, and they just loved me for me. That's all they did. We talked. We enjoyed our time. I think that happened like once or twice more. Then they invited me to church. And by the time I walked into church, you saw me, people were standing up. I pretty much knew everybody <laughs> from being in the, the small group, right? And even if it was larger, I would have had my people that I knew because of the opportunities that they built. This is what led me to Church on a Rock. Does everybody understand that? Did everybody got, okay, I'm, 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 I'm just winging it, all right? Now, if you have come to this church and joined or considered yourself a member or whatever, and you're not one of the originals, stand up real quick, please. I want you to think about this real quick. How many of you heard me preach when you first came here? Raise your hand. Okay. And how many of, through once again, not me, but through God working through, through the gifting of preaching that he's giving me, how many of you were brought back and came back again and again and again and again and again and again. All right. You see, you see this? I just, want, I just want you to recognize this. That's all because one man made the most of an opportunity with this man and invited him to his small group that he believed in. And then they welcomed me. And then they brought me into the church. And then God took one seed and did this. Do, do you see the multiplication in that from one person? Right? Sit down. Sit down. You're going to get a workout. Okay. Billy Joe, stand up. Everybody say hi, Billy. How long have we known each other? Right. Whatever, right? Right. Lots lots of years. And um, our relationship from high school, you knew all the bad and worst things about me, right? And then you heard that I was preaching, and you checked in, like, Shad, really? Like, you a pastor now? Like, yeah, come check me out, sis. 
And, and you, you took the most of that opportunity, right? Um, who did I marry you to? All right, stand up, Dave. Okay? And so I did your premarital. I married you. And it's all because of you taking the opportunity to be here and then you introducing me to him, him taking the opportunity to meet with me, right? How many people are here as a result of knowing him? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. You, get up. You're about to be baptized. You're going to start acting right. Now look, now look. Look at the multiplication of what's here. There's more. There, like, it's like, wait, there's more. There's more to this. But, yeah, yeah, through one relationship that led to a marriage, that led to this man coming here, that led to me pouring into him into this. And he just, he literally just did his first marriage last Friday, and it's all multiplication, right? And his son has been uh, baptized. He, the, Bryce is getting baptized today, right? He's a, he has a barbershop that is a Christian barbershop, and we start getting involved. There's some, there's some people from the barbershop who've been here. Corey specifically, my barber, comes every other week, right? And, and now he's opening a barber school in which he's trying to put it in a position so that um, not just for regular people who want to go to barber school, but so that felons, specifically felons who don't have second chances in the world, who don't have second chances of getting a job, and you're always like, who will hire a felon? We're trying to find a way to get scholarships from, for them to send them through his school so that we can send them to the barber shops and get them back on their feet so they don't have to rob, steal, cheat, or anything else. That's not me. That's not Billy. That's not Dave. That's God taking you as you take the opportunities and you don't flush them away. Do you see that? Sit down. You got to sit down. Amen. Praise you. Praise you. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. Ah, Tyson, stand up. I see you, boy. Yep. Don't even know how you got here. How'd you get here? Bill, wow. <laughs> I didn't even know that. See? So, so once again, Clinton invites me to a life group, thrive group, 595, whatever you want to call it. They invite me to church. Billy hears because of our, our connections. We make the most of that opportunity. I don't know how it got over to Tyson, maybe through Vanessa probably, right, right, his wife. His wife makes the opportunity. Of, oh, there's Vanessa. Wave your hand, girl. All right. So, so this is probably like a, a beauty salon type thing right here. Is that what it was, Vanessa, right? And, and so she took the opportunity in her workplace to talk about God, to talk about church, to speak to Vanessa, who then took the opportunity in her home to talk about God, to talk about church. They come in, and now me and Tyson are working together to build a jujitsu ministry in which single-parent mothers who don't have father figures in the lives of their sons can bring their children in. And we're bullies, and the bullied in the community can come together, and we can teach self-discipline and self-defense. And not only teaching them these things through jujitsu, but on every other off week, we're also going to be teaching them how to tie ties and fill out resumes and actually change something in the community. This is what's going on in your church. Give it up. Larry! You can sit down. Larry, stand up. Yeah. Larry came to us recently. You recently heard him do the Southern Baptist, you know, like a rotten stone cowboy. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. I'm just trying to be Larry. That's the only thing I know, right? And so we were sitting here, it was before Christmas, right, I believe, 
And I had just preached, and I'm like fired up about missions, and let's go make disciples. And Larry comes up to me, he goes, Pastor, I got to talk to you, man. Like everything you're talking, I'm catching, and I'm already doing. I just want to see if you want to be a part of this. And I'm like, what's God doing in your life? Because we want to be a gas station. We don't need you here. We want to fill you up here so you can go out and do what you need to do. And so we have a four-hour, five-hour, you know how we get down, right? Long conversation. And Larry says, man, we're planting we're planting churches in nursing homes because there's a need to get out to them since they can't get to us. My grandfather dies a week later in a nursing home, possibly not knowing Christ. And my grandma says, there's no church anything out here. I call Larry up and I say, man, Church on the Rock is going to get behind you and come alongside you. And we just want to be your gas station. If you ever need to miss a Sunday morning so you can be there during a Sunday afternoon, bro, we bless that and we don't want you here. And so him and his wife and Pat, they, they, they plant churches in nursing homes and become their church family. And it becomes an outlet for the preachers that we're raising up here to have an opportunity to preach more. We have others that worship other than the worship team that's here so that they can worship more. And then... I get, a, I get a tech, no, I get a Facebook message from um, uh, Bridget, who is the, they call them activity directors, right, at Brownsburg Meadows the very next day after our meeting. And she says, hey, I need, I need somebody to come in and we, we got people that minister, but we need a church here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I hit Larry up and I'm like, you are not going to believe what God just did. Like, they need a church. It's right here in Brownsburg, and it'll add to the two that you've already planted. And that makes three church ministries and just more work being done for the kingdom of people who may never walk through these doors. And yet the kingdom is growing because they're making the most of every opportunity. And from they're not flushing opportunities. Do you see where this is going? Sit down, Larry. Check it out. Let me look. Let me look. Nick, stand up, Nick. I know y'all tired of me screaming. Nick, how do we meet? Don't, and don't give me the pastor version. Give me like, we're we on time limit. What'd you come here for? What'd you come here for? Tell it. Yep, and she didn't even show up, did she? Oh, God must have been at work. He comes in because he's, he's going to meet a girl here who's like a, a sister to me. She stands, she's like ghosted him, right? <laughs> Is that the word that I use now? Ghosted, right? All right. I'm still hip, you know what I mean? I'm here for it. Anyway, and Nick's like, man, I came to meet her, but she ain't here, bro. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I was like, well, maybe Christ wanted you here for a reason. We get to going back and forth. How long ago was this? About three, three and a half years. And he lives in Kokomo, y'all. He, he lives in Kokomo. About an hour and some change away. And over Facebook, I'm just pouring into this brother, taking advantage of the opportunity because he just wants to be poured into. He grows, he grows, he grows. He decides, look, man, I, I met this girl, this beautiful girl. We baptize her, amen. We baptize Nick, amen. We married y'all, amen, right? They didn't have a baby since the riot, amen, right? But then Nick, Nick is a hungry preacher. He's like, Bro, I'm ready, man. Like, I, I never forget. Hannah, stand up real quick because I need, I need you to vouch for me. I went out there, and I was like, man, so what's your plans? Then he said, I'm trying to take your position, right? 
Right? But I didn't let that, like, deter me. I, I kept pouring into him. And I kept telling him, bro, if you can't live in Brownsburg, it's going to be hard for you to pastor the people of Brownsburg because you're an hour away. And we're really big on the local church because I need, to, I need to be in Kroger and run into my people. I need to be at Walmart and run into my people. But there's an opportunity for something here if you'll just surrender. He's like, I don't know, man. I love Coder. I think God got me in Coder. So we went about that for about a year. And then before I knew it, started having some job problems on where he was going to be, where he's going to make his money at. Things start just moving all around. And then all of a sudden, the place that he was in before, tell that part real quick, out loud. Uh-huh. And so when he came back from prison, he was sentenced to the Kokomo Rescue Mission, right? This is where he was put, this is the place he was put in out of prison. And everything in the world would say, you cannot serve in that place that you came from, right? Like, you, uh. But instead, God made him exhibit A, and he took advantage of the opportunity. He's now the chaplain at that same rescue mission. Right? And, and possibly, we're in the talks now behind the scenes of dreaming of what a church plant would look like in Kokomo. Because there's, there's just, there's a need for it. We don't plant churches just to plant them. We plant them where the needs are at. And there's a need for it in Kokomo with the traffic coming down from Chicago and the drugs that are high in that area um, and Nick's unique ability to reach the people from where he came. Why not plant a church there since he can't be here? Why not ordain this man and get behind him and send him out and get behind him to plant a church there so he doesn't have to drive down here and he only comes down here for gas? Right? This is what, sit down, Nick. This is what we're talking about. And these are just off the top of the head stories. I'm looking around. There are so many more stories. Like, Larry's here from Cornerstone. And why are you here? Because Larry, and, and Larry's not even a pastor here, but we had an opportunity. He took the opportunity to invite me into a podcast where we had this crazy talk about church and life, and we've had, like, these are great podcasts. We talked about Kanye one time. It was amazing. And, uh, and, and he made the most of an opportunity to say, I'm not worried about losing members to this or gaining members from that. I just want to sit down and make the most of the time that we could spend together. And as a result, um, some conversations happened. God sent them there. Jeremy, you work uh, in a prison ministry, and he Heather is literally about to take off with our, like, meeting needs of homeless people and organizing things to to get into the community a little bit more. And this is, this is God at work, right? So, so, yes, let's get some scriptures in real quick. I want you to see this. Look at this. Look at this. I had a couple on my heart. I didn't know if I was going to get to them. Now, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of them to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And look at this. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful. In other words, it's there. The opportunities are there. The people who are ready to be saved are there. You're not on a dummy mission. You're not on an empty mission. When we tell you to make them, to not flush opportunities with every conversation you have, these are not, this is not a dummy mission. Just because like one person said no, another person said no, it might be that third person who's a Rashad type relationship that multiplies whatever area you're in. You just don't know. And so he says, but the laborers work, but it's a worthy work. In India, this is what I learned. There's nothing too different about what they do except for this. They believe. They believe every conversation, every 
person, every encounter, everybody who walks through the door or everybody whose door they walk through, they believe everybody is a potential church planter, is a potential pastor, is a potential worship leader, no matter how far they are away from God. Like, imagine this. Like some people say, well, a woman can't be a, a, a pastor. Well, what if the person the woman's married to can? Or what about the child that that woman might have if you don't believe in that part? Like, have you ever thought about that? Like, I might be talking to the woman whose husband might become the next pastor, and therefore I make the most of every opportunity to speak and to love and to pray. And what if this happened in, like, just think. Just look how many people are in here. What if we weren't worried about Sunday morning attendance? And what we looked like to everybody on Facebook. And what if we were just worried about doing the work of the kingdom? The work that, wait for it, God has already prepared for you. Remember Ephesians 2.10? When it says that the works are already created for you to walk in? This is not a dummy mission and you're, you don't have to come up with the strategy. All, we're in, all, all we are doing is uncovering what God is already at work. What he's already at work doing. We're just uncovering it. I'm sitting here right now, and I'm just looking at potential. What if every conversation you had, you actually believed you may be talking to the next pastor? What if every time we asked you to go serve in the back, you actually believed that when I'm just loving them, just loving them, just being, I don't know a whole lot of Bible shop, but I can at least get back there and love them. What if you're loving the next pastor at Church on the Rock? The next worship leader, the next brother who's going to save a life or help somebody out along the way. What if that's what you're doing back there? And what if when you show up, you're just encouraging the next pastor by showing up and him, like, like just imagine this. This is all India does. I thought about it. I was like, man, I don't want to bash our church or, or American church because I've been in India. They just believe. They don't come in here and go through the ritual or, or the, 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 you know, they don't just do this repetitive religious act of saying the stuff and amen in here and then going about their life. They believe that what they're being fed in here can go out there and change the world. What would happen if we believed the same thing? If skin color didn't matter, if, if, if tax brackets didn't matter, if, if stereotypes didn't matter, and everybody I encounter may be the next insert what God wants to do with them. What if we really believed that he uses the broken. What if we really believe that we're still the broken he uses? Can you see how this would change everything? Can you see how, this, how we could, this little church could change Brownsburg? We could, we could turn this community upside down if we just believe. I'm not telling you to be up on a stage like me and preach and be this outgoing and ignore your personality, but who's in your life that you have access to? When's the last time you invited them into your life or got invited into theirs? I'm not talking about getting them to church. What if your house became the next church? What if your barbershop became the next church? What if the basketball court became the next church? Your business, on your breaks, on your lunch break, what if that was the next church? Stop thinking of church as Sunday. We are the church. And what if we released everybody in this room to go out and be ministers of the gospel and to not flush any opportunities before them? Could you imagine, Adam, if through your cleaning ministry, you started some kind of, like you hired people because things got good and then you started some kind of gathering before and it just 
turned into a church somehow. You had 30 people coming. We don't need 100 people to start a church. 30 people is good enough. And you were taking whatever you got on a Sunday and on a Saturday, you were preaching to them that message. You guys were singing. You guys were baptizing. You guys were taking the Lord's Supper, even taking up an offering to meet each other's needs. And we planted another church through your workplace. Through your workplace. Yours. The hospital. Like, look around. Everything we need to build this kingdom is right next to you. And I'm just in a place right now, I'm, I'm, I'm just in a place right now where I just want to do what God called us to do, y'all. I can preach every Sunday. I love preaching. I love it. I absolutely love it. But at some point I start asking myself, like others have asked, Am I making you guys disciples of me? Have I really just got to a place where I like to hear myself talk and come up with these cute points and just hope that you all say amen and make me feel good? Or am I measuring our success by your faithfulness? What happens when Sunday's not enough for you? And you got, you got the can't help us to go change the lives of others, because you actually believe in what you're singing and you believe in what you're hearing. What, what happens then, man? And what happens when all you're serving on Sunday is so that you create opportunities for an environment that people can learn? Can you imagine if the kids were in here right now, as hot as it is? And We need people back there. We need people. Could you imagine, like, me flowing through a sermon? And, like, we need, when we're asking you to serve, it's not because we just want you to be busy. You're helping create the opportunities. You're you're making opportunities for people to be in an environment to grow. When you're giving, you're not giving. There's, I, I wish I could tell you some of the stories, but like Sarah, Sarah DeRueta, who is somebody who used to be here, worked on all of our graphics. She just lost a worship leader to suicide that she, that she grew up with. It devastated her. And she couldn't go see him to go see that funeral in Arkansas because she was scared she wouldn't be able to afford it or, or have to take off of work and not be able to make up for the work she has to miss. She's only 20-something years old. She's trying to make it here. She's from Arkansas. And your money, your giving, sent her down there. The lives were touched in India by me, and my life was touched by them. And I, I can't tell you the amount of people. All these things you're hearing about the barbershop and the jiu-jitsu, all that came from India. Your money sent me there. Pouring into pastors in Seattle, that... That's your money. The fact that a lot of you who know me from one-on-one -on -one relationships, I can't do that if I'm working. That's your money. The, the, the giving we're asking is not to make a pastor rich or to keep a building open. It's, it's to create opportunities. That's it. It's strictly to create opportunities. Your time, your talent, your treasures is all for the opportunities that we don't want you to flush. So we ask you to partner in because maybe you're not the preacher. But maybe you support the mouth of the preacher so he can talk more, right? Like, we need you. We need you to believe it, though. We actually need you to believe that you matter. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, once again, if you want to hear a sermon, I will stay and I will preach through that sermon. I will. Um, but I, I'm ready for us to live out the Great Commission the way we're supposed to because we believe it. And I'm begging those of you who are really here for it, even if you don't attend our church, if you're a guest, 
is the church you do attend, or maybe you don't attend the church or you're going to attend the church, I'm begging you, I'm begging you to be a part of this mission that I'm on. You don't have to go here to be a part of this. But this is what it's supposed to look like when every person in here reaches another person who reaches another person. God is glorified and the kingdom is, is grown. Amen? So I'm, I'm sorry for those of you who wanted that sermon. I, I just, this is just on my heart. And this is where God took me. And I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for a church family that frees me up to do this. Some people will get fired for this in their churches. Um, but you guys never flush opportunities for me to just do what God leads me to do. And I love every single one of you in this room, even if I don't know you. Uh, those of you who are getting baptized, go change if you need to change. Um, we're going to sing another song. We're going to do the baptism. But my, la my, last, my last explanation of what it looks like for opportunities to not be flushed. There's a brother named Josh Scruggs. His mom's here. Could you, you just raise your hand? Boom. There. Y'all can give it up for her, too. <laughs> so Josh fl flew up here to spend some time with mom and his sister and and one is he, I, I've been pointing him on Facebook for like two and a half years now since he moved down to Austin, Texas. We used to work at this place called Teleservices Direct Together and get in trouble and whatever. And um, just discipling him through Facebook because he was struggling to find a, a church home. And he came up here and said, Rashad, I need five hours with you because um, it's just different face to face. So I gave him five hours. We, we went to BP and had a, a Euro. And <laughs> right. And... Um, we spent five hours just talking about God, and he said, man, I'm bringing my mom to church, and I'll see you tomorrow. He shows up on a Sunday with a guy named um, Andy Sox. Give it up for Andy. He's not even in the room. And, and Andy, Andy, he, he'll tell you himself. He's, he's given me permission to tell this. But because Josh took the opportunity to invite Andy Sox, Andy Sox walks through the door. He sat over there, and I didn't know who he was. I kept looking as I was preaching. I eventually talked to him. He said, Pastor, can we meet on Tuesday? We talked for like three, four hours. I led him to Christ. He surrendered his life to Christ. And he said, when can I get baptized? And I said, man, we can do it later on this month. Like, when you're ready, we'll, we'll get baptized. Well, what happened was um, life hit. You know, those of you who are saved know that the devil comes immediately, right? The enemy comes immediately. Life hit. And Andy, once again, gave me permission to tell this. Checked himself into a rehab because life hit. And we didn't get to baptize. Ah, Andy, clap again. Look at her. <laughs> hey, put your stuff down right there. Man, you look good. Like, oh, man. <laughs> Got me looking bad. All right. Turn it off. Turn off Facebook. We don't want to. <laughs> I was telling them how Josh took, made the most of the opportunity to invite you to church. And then you took that opportunity and you came to church. And you reached out to me and said, can we meet? We met on a Tuesday. See, see how I did that? It's because of him. Um, and led him to Christ. He surrendered to Christ right then and there. Said he wanted to be baptized. Um, oh, no, no, you do your thing. I felt an addiction. 
but December 22nd uh, to me trying to keep my own will uh, was the darkest and so I finally surrendered but I think God had a plan too because we did have baptism scheduled but things just kept happening where it kept getting pushed back but I don't think I had truly opened up and surrendered yet. Um, I was in rehab for 45 days, 67 days for me now. Um, uh, Tyson, um, I got a best friend that does um, sermon on the south side. He wanted to be here today, but he was conflicted, but you guys led me the whole way. Um, I started reading the Bible real hard. And, uh, yeah. And I, I just want you to see, if Josh doesn't fly up here, ask to sit down, doesn't invite his mom and Andy, and then Andy doesn't say, can we sit down, and, and then I don't make time, and then Andy doesn't humble himself to go to rehab, and then, we, and then we not judge him on having to go to rehab and instead hug him when we see him and the church is so excited and text him back every time he texts from rehab. We're not, we're not here today, right? I'm blessed, I'm blessed with the family I have. Um, God reconnected me and my mom and my brother and sister. Um, And so I, I, I just. I ain't got words. I ain't got words. And so I, I, once again, this is not. We never do emotions to manipulate you, okay? But we want you to see what happens when we just believe in the power of God, not the power of us. If you leave it up to us, this 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 room is empty. But if you turn it over to God and just walk in the opportunities He puts before you, and not worry about how good of a speaker you are and how much you know of the Bible, you. He does it all himself. He does all of it himself. And he, he saves. We don't save. We're just the vessels that walk in the opportunities. This has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with any of the names I've mentioned. I just want you to see that God is already working among us. And we're just asking you to not flush the opportunities to be a part of that work. Amen? That's all we're saying. And so I thank you for giving me the freedom to do this. Todd, we're, let's go right into the baptisms and then just just round it out with worship, right? Um, you, you can invite, it's going to be hard with the kids all in here, but we're going to get really uncomfortable. Um, praise God for Clinton, right? Playing the whole time. <laughs> and so as we get ready for the baptism, um, we're going to start off with you, buddy. And we want to bring the kids in because we want them to, to witness this. Maybe on the ride home, your kids will ask you what was going on and, and what the baptism was for. Make the most of that opportunity, right? Talk to them about what baptism is about. And let's just celebrate what God is doing. Set a 
cannot get control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. Here in your love, here in your love, there's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. Here in your love, here is that love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of no place. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. No place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you. One more time. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.